Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Black Women's Hour. And we are so, so humbled and grateful to have Michael Holding with us here today. Hello, how are you? I am pretty good, thanks. And how are you, Eva? I'm okay. It seems like um, prophetic that we're speaking to you today after what happened last night um, with the football. Did you watch the match? Yes, I watched it, definitely. I've been watching most of the games in the Euro. Yeah, and we were just, um, I'm, I'm patron of show racism, the red card. So it's obviously been okay. really, really disappointing today to see all the racist abuse that those young guys have been, you know, have had to have. And then we've got you on today. So I, I can't even pretend I'm in a good mood today. I just feel really sad about the whole thing. Yeah, I still think those people are in the minority, though. Yeah. It's the social media so? has given them a, a voice. And social media, social media has... Sorry? You think, it's amplifi you think it's amplified them? Yes. Without social media, wouldn't have heard anything about them. They would have just gone back and crept under their rocks and stayed there. <laughs> well, it was quite encouraging because I also do stand-up comedy. There was a fellow comedian today who's basically just been dropped from his management for making really racist comments about those guys. So I guess, yeah, there's a lot of people who are out there... Um, who don't feel the same, but it was kind of worrying, you know? I kind of texted my son and told him to stay home today. He's 20, he's 21, he's 21, I'm scared. Yeah, well, you know, I always find people like that on the road, you know, and nothing wrong with telling him to be careful. You know, you don't, yeah. you don't want one mistake or to be in the wrong place at the wrong time to create any problems for him. Yeah. But I, I don't think it will, it will escalate to that level. Yeah, I hope not. I hope not. Um, so when it comes to you, you're a world-famous cricketer, and now you're almost... Will you describe yourself as an activist? I'm a, I'm a former cricketer, now cricket commentator. <laughs> not activist? No. No, you don't think so, though. But you, I, like, when I said to people that we were going to have you, and we were lucky enough to get an interview with you, everybody was so excited because they just you know that you inspire people, right? Yeah, but that's a different matter. You know, I've written a book about racism and I'm hoping that the book will make a difference. But I still would not consider myself an activist. You know, I, I see an injustice and I talk about the injustice and I write about the injustice. You know, I, I'm still a cricket commentator. That is, what, that is my job. That is what I get paid to do. So for, for those who haven't read it or don't know anything about your back, like what inspired you to write the book? It was all to do with what happened last summer on Sky when I was asked about Black Lives Matter and the, the movement and the killing of George Floyd and all that. And I pretty much spoke my mind on Sky that morning at, in Southampton. And the reaction that I got to it with so much positive feedback and from so many different people around the world and so many people egging me on to write this book. Eventually, I decided to write it. I didn't intend to, <laughs> to do anything like this. Right, I it was figured, you know, with so many people saying, yes, you have to do more. I went ahead and wrote the book. Mm. So it was a... So people seem... They don't really understand. We've had to explain it a couple of times on this show. But what I want to ask you is, because you come from a predominantly Black country, um, I try to explain to people because they go, what's George Floyd got to do with you? You're from Britain. It doesn't, why do you care? 
like you know like about people who look like us but one thing I found and I'm sorry if you I know you've traveled and stuff like that what I found um being from a Caribbean background is sometimes when I try to explain to my cousins my family back home what we go through here they're actually largely unsympathetic like they don't really seem to get what racism is why are you different in that respect? Is it because of your work and your travel? Yes, exactly. You see, people who don't experience it don't hear. The white mm. folks who don't experience racism, they don't, well, not all. A lot of them just don't hear. They are quite happy with their lives. They get along with their lives. They go on about their business. They have nothing interfering with what they are trying to achieve. So they just don't care. Similarly, in the Caribbean, a lot of people in the Caribbean don't experience it because, as you said, the Caribbean is... a predominantly black region. So they just don't care either. We have some some idiots in Jamaica on the radio who talk about the footballers. Oh, they should just grab the money and don't even think about anything else. Mm -hmm. That's their attitude because they are ignorant, basically. Wow. Yeah, I agree totally. It's, you know, like I said, I've seen it so much. I mean, so before you... This girl, before you started traveling and do cricket, doing cricket, did that change your attitude? Well, I didn't know about racism before I left Jamaica. Growing up in oh. Jamaica, I didn't know about racism. I knew about classism, and there's still classism in Jamaica. There's classism all, all over the world. Because a lot of people, it's human nature, a lot of people just get the idea that because they've achieved more than others, that they think that they're better than others. And that's the classism that you experience in Jamaica and a, and a lot of places. But racism is something that was foreign to me until I left Jamaica. Yeah, absolutely. We had John Barnes on this show as well. Who's um? Do you know John Barnes? He's yes, uh, yes, a football player. I, I'm and he was actually speaking again. about um, classism representing itself as colorism, really, in Jamaica. And he's from like a very light-skinned family, and he was talking to us about that as well. Yeah, but it, colorism and classism are two different things. Eh? The classism, okay. you, you have black people in Jamaica that are very rich, and mm -hmm. they <laughs> pretend and behave as if they are better than other people. But, you know, it's, it's the class that they acquire, and that then makes them fig figure that they are better. I, I have experienced that in Jamaica. I have seen that and experienced it in Jamaica. Right. You see in, Bolt, in my book, you see in Bolt talks about it. He experienced it himself. Yeah. So that was me really misunderstanding. I kind of, I've never been to Jamaica. Um, I've been to other parts of the Caribbean, but I had thought it was like more of a, the light skin colorism thing. I thought it was tied but into class. Ever you have both. Because we have been brainwashed over centuries to believe that the lighter your skin, the better off you are. The easier mm. it is to accomplish things. And yeah. basically that is how the, the world was built. That's how they, they intended the world to be built to brainwash everybody to, to believe that that's why so many stories that have that sort of theme have been taught in schools have been taught generally in around the world because that yeah. is where the world was built the lighter your skin the better off you are that's why they painted jesus christ with pale skin blonde hair and blue eyes it is impossible for him to have looked like that but that is the narrative yeah absolutely so you spoke about Black Lives Matter and the George Floyd um, situation. How, so you wrote the book very quickly then. I know it's got like chapters and you've spoken to other people about their experiences. Yes, I've interviewed, 
about seven or eight different people from all of different parts of the world, some icons in, in sport and a headmaster of a school here in the UK. Because my thing is, it's all about education. It's about educating the people and I should say re-educating people. Because a lot of the education that we got is lies mm. because it suits a particular narrative. Yeah. And we need to re-educate people so that they understand the true history of mankind. Not just what was taught to us because it suits one particular set of people. But do you... So, okay, so I'm a patron of a charity called Show Racism on the Red Card and we deal with um, racism in football and stuff, but we try to get them quite young. We go into schools and I noticed that you emphasise re-education. Do you think yeah. it's ever too late for somebody to learn? No. I have people in their 40s and 50s who have told me that they are glad that they have read the book and they are learning all the time. They, they were ignorant to the facts because mm. it wasn't taught to them. A lot of white people are basically good people, but they are, have been taught certain things and they have been brainwashed a certain way. And when, they, when the open-minded ones realize what was taking place, they are quite happy to accept the truth and to change their attitudes and their thought processes. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, there's so many people who think that a leopard can't change its spots and they're too old, but I think what you're saying, and I understand, is that they've just never been exposed to this before, right? In the same exactly. way that we speak about Caribbean people. Exactly. Never... It's a matter of exposure and a matter of knowing the, the truth. If yeah. you don't know something, you can't accept it as the truth. Yeah. If you have yeah. grown up with somebody that's telling you one particular thing, unless you discover otherwise, you're going to continue to believe that particular thing that people have been telling you. Yeah. yeah. That flag behind you, that Barbados flag behind you, you grew up with that signaling Barbados. Everybody looks at that flag and says Barbados. The one above it, well, I think I can hardly see, but I think it's a Grenada flag. Dominica. Dominican flag, I can hardly see. Yeah. If, <laughs> if when you were growing up, people had, had juxtaposed those flags and told you the top one was Barbados and the bottom one was Dominica, you would believe it. It is mm. what you're taught. Mm. Absolutely. But if you travel around the islands, though, so I, I know it's got the, uh, the parrot on it. I'm half Bajan, half Dominican. I can't see the parrot. I can only see the three stripes. It's all right. You don't need to see the parrot. No, no, I don't. Oh. But once you tell me what it is up there, I can know it's a Dominican flag. I know most of the Caribbean flags. Yeah. Okay. Do you? We did a a, um, a poll yesterday on on Twitter about the Caribbean and the food. Which island, just for the record, do you think's got the best food? And the food the same. <laughs> no, I can't go in, go into all that. All the oh. islands have excellent food. They do, they do, they do. But it was quite funny. It was just like the competitiveness because sometimes, like, they call them diaspora wars on Twitter. Sometimes yeah, us guys yeah. will just have a little laugh and a joke. But um, Jamaica did win, by the way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have so many different races in Jamaica and so many different mixtures. You know, yeah, have, absolutely. The food there is, you know, very creative. I think the islands kind of had. Um, I think it was the islands that were the most mixed, like Jamaica and Trinidad and yes. uh, also Guyanese. 
all came up top because yes. it's all the fusion. The different cultures coming together and borrowing from each other and creating different dishes. Fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're obviously a cricketer. What is your favourite sport outside? You you interviewed Hussein Bolt um, for your book. Do you are you into the athletics? Are you into? I did athletics at school. I did football at school. I played cricket at school. I played a little bit of basketball. I played most of the sports at school. But now, as a senior person, my other fun is horse racing. I love horse racing. I spend, I spend a lot of time around the horses. When oh, I'm really? Person, I'm in Newmarket. I go out onto the heath every morning. I hardly go to the races live, but I watch it on the telly. But I spend a lot of time around the horses. Oh, wow. I didn't expect that. So us Bajans, we have Oliver Skeet, um, who is our our champion, who's also, he was a, the first famous black horse racer here. So where do you spend most of your time these days? Well, I spend four months of the year in, in England because I work for Sky every summer. And that has been going on 22 years now. Previously, I used to go to all around the, the world doing cricket commentary. These days I've cut back quite a lot. And over the last seven, eight years, I've been doing Sky and South Africa, which is super sport. But the, all okay. that is coming to an end shortly. So you're going to cut it out? So you're going to go full retirement? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then where? Jamaica, obviously. No, no, I'll be in Grand Cayman. That's where I'm based now. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So how long did it take to put the book together? Not it very long. We started in the latter stages of the of summer 2020. And by the 31st of January, I think, the manuscript was finished. And then, mm. of course, you just tinker with it on, on, until another, I think we had probably another two months to, for it to be totally finished because it has to go to lawyers and different editors and all that sort of thing. Was there anyone that you wanted to interview for the book that you couldn't get? Yes, but I'm, I'm not going to call any names because I, it's not everyone that we approached was willing to be involved, but I won't be calling names. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to, I wasn't trying no, to get no, any kind okay. of scandal. I can't no, I just, I just thought, like, I sometimes people, people's diaries just don't mesh sometimes, so that's all I was thinking of. I wasn't, no, we no, really no. don't cause trouble. Yeah, but don't worry about it. No, you, you are the person, like, you're supposed to ask the question, I'm supposed to answer it the best I can. We don't okay. worry about things like that. Can I ask you something? How do you feel about the attitude towards um, cricket in the Caribbean now? I mean, people have had a go at me for saying it before, but like, um, I go to the Caribbean a lot, well, did prior to COVID, because um, I really want my kids to understand that part of their heritage and where we come from and what we yeah. eat, whatever. But um, what I found is like, when it comes to cricket these days, uh, kids are not so much into it. Like all the young people in Dominica, Barbados, whatever, they want to play basketball or they want to play soccer. They want to play. What do you, have you found that it's kind of dying out? Because when I grew up, there was obviously the likes of Joel Garner yourself. There was just, you know, Viv Richards. It was, you know, it was so much. The Caribbean was so good that we had a politician mm -hmm. here called Norman Tebbit who actually gave us the cricket test. You heard about that? No, I didn't know about okay, that. Okay, so basically what they were trying to say to us is as black people, if we really are in love with this country and we- Oh you know, yeah, we, I heard about that. There yeah. was some, some argument that black people will never be loyal to England. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. 
so like so we grew up like totally supporting the West Indian cricket team but nowadays are you finding that kids interest in cricket has died out there I'll, I'll deal with both aspects of that Eva you see what people cannot understand in these countries is that when you have people who do are made to feel as if they do not belong it is difficult for them to support that country and in my early days of coming to England and playing cricket in England, almost every West Indian would tell you that they feel as if they don't belong. And people in England don't make them feel as if they belong. So how do they expect the people to then support England? That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. As far as cricket in the Caribbean is concerned, the cricket landscape has changed. 2020s has now taken over world cricket. And with the amount of money associated with 2020, the youngsters in the Caribbean who do play cricket, and I'll get back to the part about how many are playing now, but the youngsters who do play cricket, they want to excel in the shortest form so that they can go and make a lot of money. And I'm not going to criticize them for that. If they are playing cricket as a living, if it's that's how they get their bread and butter and supporting their families, the more money they can earn, the better. The fact yeah. is... Other countries can afford to keep their cricketers to play for them because they pay them a lot better. England, India, South Africa, Australia, especially Australia, India, and England can afford to pay their cricketers big sums of money. The West Indies can't, can't. Sri Lanka can't. That's why Sri Lanka's cricket is now diving so much. Mm -hmm. So those countries will always benefit because they can keep their cricketers. Now, as for the amount of cricketers in the Caribbean now, or the amount of kids playing cricket in the Caribbean, that has certainly dwindled. Because when I was a young man growing up and before my time, basically there were three things to do in the Caribbean. You either run, you play football, or you play cricket. There are so many different avenues now for youngsters in the Caribbean, and the population has not grown ever. Since I was a kid, Everybody said the population of the Caribbean was about 5 million. That has not changed because people are constantly immigrating, going all over the world. And the population has not grown. And you have the same number of people playing a lot of different sports now. The school that I went to, I went down there, was it about two years ago? And they were playing, what's the name? Lacrosse. They were playing lacrosse at my school. I had never ever seen lacrosse anywhere in Jamaica before when I was a young man growing up. But that's just to show you the amount of things available now to youngsters. So naturally, you'll have less of them playing the game. Yeah. Well, that's quite interesting because lacrosse over here is really a sort of a posh... I went to boarding school, so it's kind of like a boarding school sport. I didn't even know that was going to... It was coming up anywhere else. Well, I was okay, shocked so when I saw it at my school. Shocked. Yeah, because most people don't even play it here. That's really interesting. So did you have any other sporting talents anywhere else? I played a lot of like, sports. If you were not a cricketer, what would you have, what would you what would your preferred sport? No, I played not many preferred sports. I was not going to be a professional sportsman. I had gone to university and the, the only reason I continued to play cricket was because of Kerry Packer and World Series cricket. Because my mother right. was a teacher. And she insisted mm -hmm. that all of us go to university and get some sort of an education and some sort of qualification. Yeah. So I was not going to be a professional sportsman. Okay, yeah. Because I, I do tend to find Caribbean parents are not that sympathetic to this. To sport no, 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 no. Sports <laughs> in the Caribbean, 
especially when in my time when I was growing up, there was no real future of earning a proper living in the Caribbean. That's why so many Caribbean cricketers came to England to play county cricket. Yeah. That's the only way you could make a living. And that was eking out a living. That wasn't really making a living. So what about your kids? Do they follow you into sport? I don't have kids. I have big people. Oh. My eldest is 42. My youngest is 32. They're all married. Still babies, though. <laughs> no, they're not babies anymore. And I don't want them to pretend to be babies. <laughs> have they got any interest in sport at all? Not really. My son played when he was at school. He's playing more golf than anything else now. My two daughters, not really. My eldest daughter is a teacher. My youngest daughter works with a non-profit organization in Chicago. Okay, okay. So what do you think, um, like you've written this story in your book and stuff like that. Have you been um, excited by the progress that British TV is making at the moment? Because if you look, they have Rogan Productions and they're producing, like you spoke about your mother being a teacher. And when we first came over here, our families from the Caribbean, we were all, you know, called subnormal, educationally yeah. subnormal and stuff yeah. like that. Have I wrote about any... all that in my book. Yeah, yeah. For those who haven't read it, that's what I'm asking. Yeah. But like, do you think that, um, are you pleased with the way that we're progressing and being able to tell our stories now? Yeah, well, the progress has been made, definitely. But the more progress needs to be made, and it will be made. It's going to be a slow process. You know, something that has been going on for centuries isn't going to just end overnight. And people need to recognize that we have made progress and that we will continue to make progress. And what people also need to recognize is that those morons that you see posting these things on social media, they are being outnumbered. They are in the minority. Mm. What do you think is the best way to progress? I mean, do you think it's activism or art, literature? Like, what do you think is the best way of conveying a message? Because anytime you mention your name, like I have on social media, we've got this upcoming, everybody goes absolutely crazy. And it's like, oh my God, oh my God, he's so amazing and stuff. Do you think that it, you have this voice because of what you've done? Yeah, well, Sky gave me the opportunity to talk, first of all, because under normal circumstances, the opportunity wouldn't have been able to, to wouldn't have come my way for me to express my feelings on the matter. Mm -hmm. So Sky have to get a lot of credit for that. They decided, yes, we need to do something about it and gave me the opportunity to talk. But mm -hmm. the way to make real progress is to put pressure on the policymakers. The policymakers yeah. are the ones who determine what is teach in schools, what the curriculum is, what happens in generally in society. Like the yeah. so social media platforms, the policymakers can make it impossible for people to go on social media and abuse people without people knowing who they are. Mm -hmm. They are the ones that people need to put pressure on so that things change. In terms of art and literature and stuff like that, we seem to be going forward, but when it comes, when it comes to our government, we seem to be going backwards. I mean, we had our prime minister who literally did not come and take a stand against people take, uh, who are booing the players that were taking at the knee. We have a, um, a home secretary who just said, oh, it's their right if they want to boo people who take the knee. I mean, what do we do in the face of politicians that are just not helping? There's a, a poor called the vote. It's as simple as that. Right. They need educated and people should just basically vote 
for the educated. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we tried in 2018. I don't know if you know of a guy, you must know because you'll hear a lot of Jeremy Corbyn. I mean, we really did try. But I mean, the machine that went into overdrive to stop him doing what he was doing was... Yeah, well, Britain was afraid of a bearded man talking socialist talk. It's as simple as that. <laughs> so if, if you were British, would you vote, would you vote Labour? I don't, I don't know enough about politics in this country. You see, I am not very trusting of politicians. doesn't mm-hmm. matter the past. I'm not very trusting of politicians. And I'll, I'll tell you something that, well, I won't bother because I won't go down that road. But politicians are not my cup of tea. No, I agree with you. I think I was fooled for like a little minute and then I just kind of moved on. So when you're not commentating or parenting or grandparenting, what do you like to do? Horses. I just That's told you I spend a lot of time on horses. I spend okay. a lot of time out on the heath with them. I get up at 5.30 every morning. I'm out on the heath. That is my passion. That's your obsession. My your... Work. Horses, that's my passion. Yeah. And do you, um, we normally have a show like on this, we ask like a few set questions we ask people. Like, um, so if you had to choose, would you choose, would you say you're more of a Malcolm X kind of person or a Martin Luther King kind of person? A combination. You need a combination of both. Right. Okay. You, you need you need passiveness, yes, but at the same time, you need to make people understand that you're a serious. Yeah. So, who would play you in the film of your life? No one. I don't intend to make anyone have a do a film of my life. <laughs> I'm not into that. I don't want the focus Another... on me. No. Okay. So. You... <laughs> Okay, you're not going to make that easy. So, do you have a favorite book? A favorite author, favorite book? No, not really. No, I've, I've read so many different books and all different types of books from cowboy books to serious books to history books, you know, especially doing the research for, the, for this book that I've just written. Mm-hmm. You know, I, there are, you, I don't think anybody should have a favorite author or a favorite book. You need to expand your, your horizons and read all sorts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the other two questions gone then. <laughs> um, we saw um, in Britain this week, sorry, she's got it. We saw, not this week, but we just had a show about it last week about the footballer Dalian Atkinson. Do you think that obviously with the reaction to George Floyd and everything that's happened, do you think it's made a real change in the world? Because that was like really because there was such a combination of different things that were going on. There was lockdown, people were inside their houses, so they were more focused on what was happening. Do you think that the George Floyd incident and then the respective conviction of Derek Chauvin has changed the world? Yes, it has. The atmosphere has changed, and that is why you see so many people coming out now and speaking up, because they realise now that people are more receptive to the fact that there are so many injustices going on in the world. You see people all over the world now taking a knee, for instance. I saw a Swedish women's football team take a knee, and people have accepted that that is a worldwide way of showing support for BLM. So Mm -hmm. look at also the people that were demonstrating all over the world. 
black and white, brown, yellow, everybody was on the road because people are convinced and people recognize that injustices have been taking place and people want it to stop. Mm. So you can definitely say that things have changed. Corporations in America in particular have gotten behind it and have put forward a lot of money, have ring fenced money to go towards projects to help people of color and businesses owned by people of color. So things have changed. So when we talk about the um, taking a knee thing, that's something you support. But I've heard arguments from the other side with black people who've said, why should we take a knee? Like they see it as a kind of um, demeaning gesture. What would you say to that? I would ask them if they think Colin Kaepernick was doing anything demeaning when he took a knee in America. That's it. When they can answer me that, I'll, then, then we can proceed with our conversation. Yeah. I think it was not more um, saying anything bad about Colin Kaepernick or anything like that. No. I think it was more um, just a quote from Nelson Mandela, like we'd rather die on our feet than on, you know, than on our knees kind of thing. Yeah, they see it as subservient. Yeah, but taking the knee is not going down and begging. That's what Nelson Mandela was talking about. Going down on your knees to beg. Nobody's begging anything. Taking a knee is a worldwide accepted signal and, and gesture to support mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter. Nelson Mandela wasn't talking about that. Martin no, Luther King. Yeah. Hold here, but don't get defensive. I'm just talking to those. No, people. I wasn't. I just don't want you to think I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm talking, to I, who, yeah. I'm talking to the people who have these stupid arguments. Yeah. Martin yeah. Luther King did not go down on, on his knee to beg. Mm. Colin Kaepernick did not go down on his knee to beg. None of us who take a knee are begging anything. It is a worldwide accepted gesture of supporting Black Lives Matter. You're not begging yeah. anything. No, I absolutely agree. I just genuinely didn't want you to think that was coming from me because obviously no, I speak no. about this stuff online no. and that is one of the biggest arguments that you have about it. Like, oh, why should we get on our knees for those people kind of thing? So, yeah. A lot of people don't understand. Mm -hmm. Black and white. They do not understand and they need educating. That's mm -hmm. why I keep on talking about education. It's not just white people who need educating. Black people need educating as well and re-educating. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So what do you think um, for the movement? What do you think's next? Do you think, how long do you think that we're going to have to do these gestures or symbolise what the, like, do you think you we're on the cusp of something big? You continue to do it until you are satisfied that things are moving in the right direction and you see real progress. Mm -hmm. You keep the focus on the gesture, you keep the focus on the movement, you keep the focus on the project. Mm -hmm. When you see that real progress is being made, for instance, you see the curriculum being adjusted in schools, you see people on the streets and in offices and in businesses being treated equally, then you can say we are making progress and the ball will continue to roll. Mm. If you just stop taking the knee, if you just stop talking about it, if you stop doing whatever it takes, people will just say, oh, okay, yeah, see, they're now quiet. We can now just continue as we were. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's always been a main problem is like when you don't speak out against it. I think it was Audrey Lord who said, if you, if you're silent when they kill you they'll turn around and say that you enjoyed it so exactly. yeah absolutely absolutely so what who would you recommend apart from your book who would you recommend that people read 
um, follow. Is there anybody who was it? Ava, you're talking to me now no, like I'm an activist and I know all these people. I don't no, know. I, I, to talk about following people, you have to know their history. You have to know their background. I ain't telling anybody to follow anybody and next thing you know, this person that you tell them must follow has some shady history and shady background. No, no, no. I'm talking about myself. I'm talking about what I am trying to do. Okay. 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 I wasn't. So what um what are you gonna do next then? Apart from the you're retiring, you're doing the horses. What else? Is there anything else? I'm six or seven years old. If it, you look amazing though. Thank you. But the scriptures tell you that the Lord gives you three score and ten. So if the scriptures are right, I possibly only have three years left. I haven't got to do much. People do live a lot longer nowadays. Yes, they do. But I'm not taking anything for granted. Mm -hmm. So do you are you still sport because you look amazing? Are you still active sports-wise? No, I don't play any sports or anything like that anymore. I, I do walking and I eat properly. That's about what I do. Right. It's good old Caribbean food, actually. Yeah, my great aunt, she just went, she was like 98, and she had all her own teeth, everything, and she said it's completely Dominican cuisine. <laughs> yes, yes. Eat, eat a lot of ground provisions. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Those are my things of nightmares, honestly. When I was a kid, they used to give me that stuff, green banana, yam, all, all that stuff, and I used to just not want to eat it. And I'd get up in the morning, and it would be right there again for breakfast, right yes. there for lunch until I ate it. I found that ground provisions were quite quite cruel. Well, I tell you something, Eva. It is almost impossible to have false ground provisions. <laughs> you have people making rice out of plastic. Yes, I've people heard. Making lettuce out of plastic. Yeah, people give serving meat that is not healthy meat made out of all sorts of things. Mm. Those burger joints and all that. Nah. You dig, dig it out of the ground and give it to me. You can't forge that. <laughs> so that's your tip then. Ground provisions. Eat properly. Eat properly. Yes. Good old Caribbean food. So, sorry, say again? Ask you saying Bolt, he'll tell you. Oh, is that what he said he eats as well? Yeah, I am. Oh, my gosh. I try. <laughs> I do. I love our culture, but I just don't like that food at all. So um, have you got any musicians that you particularly like? Again, People like to know all this trivia. I don't specialize. I, you no. know, I'm going on the desert island this show in a, in a few weeks. And I, I'm going to be having all sorts of music. Okay. Marley to Dennis Brown to Marvin Gaye to Aretha Franklin. I cannot specialize. You know. Yeah. So when's that going to be? Even Phil Collins. I'm including a Phil Collins song in my Desert Island group. Oh, songs. okay. Yes. Which one? Is yes. it in the air tonight? No. Which one? Keep going. No, you can't keep going. There are too many of them. Okay. We had a few questions for you. Mm -hmm. uh, you might, we might have covered some of this already, but well, someone said, I don't have a question. Please do him. I love him. Sorry. Oh. I'm passing that message. Uh, okay. Somebody had asked, 
Okay, what was it like to concentrate on your game and your role in the team and focus on getting batsmen out there while playing in a hostile environment? I didn't feel the hostility. My job was to go out there and get people out, and I concentrated on that. It mm. didn't matter what they said in the stands or anything like that. So that wouldn't have affected me. Mm -hmm. Somebody else asked, uh, can you ask him about challenging systemic racism from a position of privilege in the UK, i.e. from a place within that system like sports media, because you're a respected and successful person? Yeah, but the, the thing is, as I said before, if I wasn't given the opportunity to talk about it, I would not have spoken about it and I would not have challenged it. It's a matter of getting the opportunity. You know, if I was a talk show host, it would have been a lot easier because you can do things like that on those shows. I was, I'm a cricket commentator. That's mm -hmm. not something that comes up during cricket commentary. Yeah. People who have the power on radio or on their own, whether it's television shows or radio shows where they can choose the topic, they have they have more authority, they have more power to, to get involved in those arguments and to challenge people with those arguments. Yeah. And the person went on, um, he was basically saying it came from the Obama argument that some make. Well, when, when people can see people like yourself and they're in a position of privilege, they go, well, what's the problem then? If you guys worked harder, if you guys were, you know, pulled yourselves up by your bootstraps, like you did, for instance, what would you say to them? I didn't pull myself up by my bootstraps. I did not come up against racism in where I was growing up. They need to understand that. Growing up in the Caribbean is different from growing up in England or the USA or Australia or South Africa or places like that, because you mm -hmm. do not face those obstacles in the Caribbean. That's totally different thing. I could not have grown up in England and achieved what I achieved because my personality and my character wouldn't have allowed me to, to, to put up with some of the rubbish I see people putting up with. I would yeah. not have. Yeah. What is the worst thing what, that you... What, what people need to understand is talking about pulling yourself up by the bootstraps is that a lot of people don't even have straps in their boots. They need to read my book to understand the history and yeah. how slavery destroyed families and how slavery destroyed people and you talk about post-traumatic syndrome post-slavery syndrome is another thing that people need to understand and they will tell you oh it was a long time ago just tell them read my book and they'll understand absolutely 100 percent, because people really don't understand that the legacy of that is still hanging over us today and even what you touched on earlier in terms of being light-skinned dark-skinned that is yep. all a hangover and a legacy from slavery yeah. Uh, exactly. the way that we're policed, our bodies are policed, our black women's hair is policed. Yep. It was and quite a... Uh, yeah. We need to re-educate. Mm -hmm. uh, we have too many people. This skin lightening cream business is a billion dollar business. Yeah. yeah. Billion dollar business. It's quite shocking, That's actually, because I've, mm, I've worked in the Far East where I wouldn't have even thought of that, but like I was doing some shows in Singapore um, comedy shows and they have it like selling in their equivalent of boots like you can walk yep. into it what do you yep. feel when you see okay so racism isn't really a factor when you're growing up in Jamaica but what is the light skin lightening the skin thing going on because I think that has it worse than most of the other islands you're bigger obviously but I mean why where did that come from 
the same thing we've been talking about here, but the fact that people were educated to believe that the lighter the skin, the better off you are. The more easy it is for you to get a job, the more easier it is for you to get ahead. Mm-hmm. And that is still in people's head. Mm-hmm. Bob Marley sang about it, and people only listen to Bob Marley, but they don't really hear him. Yeah. He keeps on, his, his music is all teachings here. When he says, emancipate yourself from mental slavery, none but ourselves can free our mind. That is what he's talking about. The mental slavery that people still have. The chains are gone, but the mind is still enslaved. Mm-hmm. And until we can free the slavery of our minds, we will continue to think like that way. Yeah. And we still, yeah, we have a long way to go, basically. A long way to go. A very long way to go. And that's why we need re-education so that people do not believe that the skin color is that important. And people do not believe that if you are white, you're better than if you are black. That is what we need to re-educate the people about. Mm-hmm. So do you want to take any steps into other arenas of like you you write and would you want to make a documentary about what you've you've written about? No, I, I don't want to do anything in there. If people approach me and force me to do it, I'll have to do it. But I don't want to do it. I didn't want to write this book. <laughs> but with all the prompting and all the people coming and saying, yeah, it has to be done, I do it. I'm not yeah. somebody who likes the limelight and loves to be pushed in front of cameras and microphones and all that. But it's part of what is going on, so I do it. Yeah, I think I'm getting that about you. <laughs> I think you understand. <laughs> Thank you so much for speaking to me today. I really do no appreciate problem, it. Is okay. there anything you want to you want to add, say, to anybody? I want people to go out and try to think about life. Try to mm-hmm. get information themselves. Don't just accept everything that people tell them. Try to get your own education. In the dark ages, when you had to only read textbooks and listen to what your teacher saw, told you, those days are gone. The mm-hmm. internet is there. Information is readily available. I'm not telling everybody that everything you see on the internet is true, but you can seek different sources and make sure that you collaborate different things and cross-check cross check different things to make sure you get the truth. But information is available. It is easy. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a smartphone or a computer or something now. Go yeah. and educate yourself. I absolutely 100% agree with that. And your legacy, what would you want it to be? Well, I would like it to forget the cricket. And I would love to see this book make a huge difference, a real difference in the world. And that would please me more than any wicket I got. Mm -hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Thank you so much for giving me your time today. And I appreciate it. Please don't think I'm an idiot. Like, I was asking some questions. Not at all. Not at all. (laughs) I'm just going to go to sleep. I try sleep tonight. Go, he thinks I'm an idiot. No, I really was asking from perspective no, of other people. That. That's what I said. You ask the questions, I'll answer them because I know you're not asking for yourself. You're asking okay. for the community. <laughs> and you'll have some people in the community that don't understand. So you have yeah. to Good. Thank you. I'm glad we cleared that up because I would not select today. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me on Black Woman's Hour. I really, really appreciate it. Thank no you. No problem.